In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. It's mentally yours from Ellen and Yvette. A focus on your mental health, you surely won't regret. It's mentally, 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 mentally yours. Mentally yours. Mentally yours. Hi everyone and welcome to Mentally Yours, Metro.co.uk's weekly mental health podcast. I'm Yvette and today we're chatting to Catherine Elizabeth James. She's an author and marketing consultant who's written a book called The Story of Hope. We're going to be chatting about depression, bereavement and finding light at the end of the tunnel. So you've written a book called The Story of Hope. Can you tell us a bit about why you wanted to do that? I've had really bad depression all through my life. Um, Ever since a young age, when I was a child, um, I could talk a bit about my story. Um, This thread has carried on all through my life and it's um, held me back in so many different ways. And I've had two or three quite bad meltdowns and I lost my way completely. And I just felt like a fallen hero. I just felt I have nowhere to go. And uh, I've had all sorts of things. Death, lost someone to suicide, uh, lots of disappointments, just lots of things happening together as well, especially during COVID. And I just felt partly it was a cathartic thing to kind of write this hero's journey through depression where, you know, you could actually get through it by being a hero. And partly it was to help other people uh, so they don't have to go through what I did because I... I just had really bad anxiety all the way through, you know, my life. And I just felt I wanted to do it for other people. That's why I wrote it. And um, I just really hope that it gives someone the courage to start again who's in a really bad, dark place. Mm, Absolutely. Um, Let's go a bit more into the book uh, a bit later. But first Mm. of all, I hope you don't mind. Um, You mentioned, first of all, in there that you had some meltdowns. Are you Mm. happy to tell us a bit more about what you mean by that? Yeah, just a a bit of a preamble in that um, I have had depression from a very uh, young age 
and it was undiagnosed. So it wasn't until my my three, I think it was my forties that it was actually diagnosed. So I didn't really know what I had. So that was the, the big problem is I just didn't know why I was feeling like that. When you say a young age, how young do you think? I think about eight or nine, um, sort of um, when I was starting to read a lot. Um, I was felt I was quite shy, timid. My fellow pupils were very sporty. I didn't felt I didn't fit in. I took every unkind comment to heart and I just um, felt really sad all the time. And so I, I kind of read these hero stories, Tunkus of Narnia and Wizard of Oz, um, The Hobbit, and I felt, oh, these are heroes. They're overcoming these tribulations and, and hardships and they're finding themselves and Dorothy's finding herself over the rainbow. I'm sure that there is a place for me over the rainbow. And I began to nurture a belief we can write a new and a happier story. So those stories were more real than I itself. I kind of clung onto them. And I've always been a storyteller, so I kind of clung, clung onto them. And I just decided that I wanted a better story and there was a way to change that sad story for a better one. But I did have um, a really bad melt, meltdown um, in, um, in my 30s. And that was triggered by something really awful. Um, and it was a shock. It was a shock. It was to do with suicide. I was working late one night and I, um, my husband met me at the station. I'd been to the gym. He looked really ashen-faced and I said, oh, what's wrong with you? And he went, I've I got to tell you something. I need to get you home. I don't know if that's the best way of preparing me. But when I got home, he sat me down in the chair. I, I hate tea with sugar in. <laughs> he sat me down with a, a hot cup of sweet tea. He said, uh, I've got to tell you something. He then told me that um, a loved one, a very close person to me, had taken his life. And uh, I just felt, oh, you know what? Do you know what? Depression and mental health gives you a really distorted thinking. Immediately, I felt it was my fault. I thought I should have done something for this person. It was, uh, you know, it was my fault. And of course, it wasn't my fault. But, uh, but I now know a bit more about that. He had gone away and been quiet and all the sort of classic symptoms. I didn't know about it then. But everything changed after that. I, I felt my life completely ended. I felt the colour had gone, the light, the sound. <clears throat> I just was drifting through the Shadowlands. Oh, I didn't feel like a human being. And that, that's what I feel, you know, what the meltdown is. Everybody avoided me. Um, word got around the office, what had happened. Um, and they went into the coffee room. They left hurriedly, um, avoided me, taboo subject, even worse then than, than now. Um, I went to see a counsellor and he nodded off on me. Uh, I mean, how bad is that? So uh, I thought, uh, all right, that's it, that's it. Um, I'm gonna have to, you know, I'm not going back there. I'm just gonna have to survive and do my best. I buried my depression for 14 years and I became a workaholic to, to disguise the pain. It was still there, but it was, just, you know, kind of, it's half-life that I felt, you know, life would always be a struggle and there's nothing I could do about it. I just have to put up with it. So that's what I mean by a meltdown. It is absolutely horrible. It's just feeling completely lack of identity, feeling lost, isolated and just not part of anything. It's just awful. It really is. Mm. I'm sure a lot of our listeners will relate to a lot of the stuff that you said, you know, whether they've experienced depression or whether they've you know, if something's happened to a friend or family member, or even someone's gone through sort of depression. Yeah. yeah. Um, the isolation that you mentioned in there as well, it's, it's just, um, yeah, it's it's so hard to describe. 
Um, it is, yeah. I think COVID has brought everything to head. I, I've been a, a registered ha- a home worker with a, this, this telco for years, for like 10 years. I never found it very easy, um, but I know some of my colleagues had meltdowns. They couldn't cope with it. So I'd already been used to it when COVID struck, um, but some people haven't. And they just suddenly brought into a situation where they've got no uh, support network and they're just all alone. And it's it's just, if you're suffering from depression already, it's just absolutely dreadful. It's it's just the worst thing. Mm. Uh, I just I wondered if I could mention something else because having buried this depression seven years ago, something triggered the depression again. You can't just bury it. It's bubbling under the surface and it will come back to bite you in a horrible way. Uh, they talk about black dog depression, but it really did go for the jugular. Um, I was standing behind a huge glass um, window in an office as a marketing director, uh, doing a job I didn't love, looking out at the sunshine, feeling everyone's having a great time. I'm not, I'm in here, trapped. And I remembered that I'd been working with some young people with mental health issues, training them to be leaders. And they described depression as being a, like a thick blanket um, and they were lost in a forgotten place and um, they, they just couldn't get out. And that's exactly how I felt, completely trapped. So um, I looked for a book to help me become the hero of my life, but I couldn't find it. So that was the book I had to write myself. So very oddly, I went out onto the campus, onto a bench on the campus, and just wrote this book. And the words just flowed out of my pen. It's about this fallen hero and how she got through her depression by take, going on this, this hero's journey. Um, I'll talk about that later. But after writing the book, um, a lot more trauma happens as life um, does uh, happen to throw at us. Um, I fell out of the attic. So attics play a big part in my life, um, I think. Um, I broke my back and um, got concussion and um, it was in a really bad way. I broke my back in two places and um, I couldn't work. So uh, I deferred publishing the book and I went, I decided over that year that I took out that I um, if I went back to being a marketing employee or contractor, my story would not end well. So I had to change my life somehow. And I was fed up with being miserable. So I took my control and I set up my own storytelling consultancy to rewrite a new beginning for a happier chapter, for a, for a better story. And from that time, things got better. And hmm. um, it's wonderful you could kind of, you could make those changes. Were there anything, what else, what other things um, other than writing the book and making that change to your career um, have helped you with your depression in terms of managing it. Just, um, I suppose, because for me, um, with bipolar disorder, just personally, things like medication has played a very useful role and um, therapy has, and also the support of friends and family. Um, Was there anything in particular for you that has sort of helped on a daily basis or kind of a a um, long-term, in a long-term way? Yeah, well, I, I think the mental health services are are not able to cope with um, all the different um, complexities of mental health. Um, so I, I've found that, um, and not everyone could do this, but I found I've had to push um, for self-referral for things. And um, I, I um, when I did have, um, I've had actually quite a bad meltdown during, um, start of a meltdown during COVID, but managed to um, manage that through my, you know my hero's journey um but I was asked do you, do you want to take some medication do you want to kill yourself um do you want to go to hospital and I just thought you know I don't want those things I don't want medication it doesn't work for me so basically I wanted choice but I tried to find out what the choice was and I 
looked for talking therapies um, and I was uh, referred to um, something called iTalk in Hampshire um, and it was cognitive behavior based. So basically I could go with a therapist, she could um, talk about the link between my feelings, thoughts and behaviors and also identify negative thinking and, and try to turn that into positive thinking. And that really helped. I find that is for me, it, because it's quite process driven. It's, I, I just find that I could work through it in a really structured way. And also they put me in touch with Silver Cloud, which is an online resource with lots of cognitive therapy um, sort of courses in there. And that was really good. So I'd recommend those. Um, being able to see somebody in person, if you can now, is really good. Because um, after this, uh, I heard about the suicide, um, a friend invited me for coffee every Tuesday and we had a chat and that was a lifeline for those things. Um, and uh, exercise, uh, definitely put that first to get out to the fresh air and um, uh, find some way to relax. If you're really, really hard, hard at work, um, just like really find some downtime and try and distract yourself with doing something you like doing, some hobby, uh, because it's easy to lose the joy, um, you know, sort of uh, in your life when you are hit by depression or feeling um, anxious. So mm. those things I find were really important. Everybody's got to kind of find their own way a little bit with it, but I think it really helps to sort of share these ideas because it's, yeah, it's such a complex and, and difficult illness, isn't it? Yeah, um, but, but can I just talk about, pandemic a little bit just about how it's brought everything into sharp relief it's really hard so um I did have actually have major I had two bereavements and I had losses and disappointments all happened at once my mum I couldn't see her because she was um 350 miles away and Northumberland was in lockdown to see her for seven months and then suddenly I got this call that she's really ill she got to come so I literally just literally got actually my dad didn't want me to come but I literally got in the car went to see her and I literally had only time to say goodbye I just she died in my arms it was awful and then a little bit later my best friend of 40 years died um without of cancer very suddenly then I had business um setbacks and lots of family worries so you get lots of things all happening at once that is that is why you need to look after your mental health on a daily basis because if you don't, you're, these things are going to steamroller you at some point and you won't be able to get up. So I really, that's why I just think just every day, look after your, your health, your mental health and your physical health. Mm. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm so sorry for your loss, by the way. But, um, yeah. but I, I couldn't agree more about the daily things, the daily practices, because I think sometimes we can think, oh, the idea of self-care, oh, it's a bit sort of wishy-washy, you know, oh, does meditation really help? Does does going for a nice long walk really help? But actually, I think in the long term, they 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 can do. Well, certainly for me anyway, things like that. Mm-hmm. And also the, my meds. <laughs> I know that they weren't quite like, you know, you, you didn't decide to go down that route. But for me, that's been very useful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I totally agree. I think there's a really big place for medicine in all of this it, it really is you know but it depends on the person I think we need to be given the choice mm. yeah yeah but if, if I don't do my exercise my back just completely seizes up so I have to but it's also good for my mental health as well so yeah mm. we've got to find what's best for us what I really loved um what you said in there sort of a bit earlier as well was the support you received from um from a friend meeting up weekly 
um, yeah. for, for a chat because I think little things like that, I mean, they seem sort of small, don't they? Reaching out to a friend who you know has been, you know, dealing with bereavement or was just uh, struggling with their mental health. But making that plan once a week, I think, can be really helpful um, because I think a lot of the time, you know, friends and family don't really know what to do if someone's um, struggling yeah. or they don't they don't know what to say if someone's been bereaved. But just saying, oh, would you like a, a coffee once a week is such a lovely thing to do. And um, yeah, so I think that's really that's really lovely. Yeah, that was that was a lifeline at that time. But I didn't really talk about all the innermost thoughts. We actually just chatted um, with the, the, the office is quite near Leather Lane where there used to be a market. We used to go down there and have a look at your clothes and things. So it wasn't really heavy. So it's just being a friend to someone, I think, is really important. Yeah. And to yourself as well. So let's talk a bit more about the book. Um, so it's called The Story of Hope. You've uh, mentioned it a, a bit about it already. Um, but can you tell us a bit more about it? And um, I would, what I got sort of the sense from it um, was that it sort of, it feels a bit like a fairy story, which I love. That's not a criticism in any way. I love fairy stories. Um, with the sort of the illustrations as well, give it that feel as well. Um, what are your hopes for it? Yeah, well, I, I've, um, because of all those things that I've mentioned going on, I, I didn't really do much with it last year. So I just kind of relaunched it around about World Mental Health um, Day at the time which is Sunday um but I um I kind of I did I, I found it cathartic it was the book that I would have liked to have um got hold of if it, in the darkest times after my you know after the suicide uh, news um but I, I kind of um I wanted to use it to um help other people write a different story um because although it is a fictional kind of tale and a fairy story sort of feeling about it, it's actually like those, you know, Wizard of Oz and all those sort of great, uh, you know, sort of fantasy uh, tales. It's got a really deep underlying message, which is this hero um, is hidden away from the world and her life is, is drained of colour and she has got no, she's got no colour in effect, no expression when the story starts but she realizes she's got to go on a hero's journey um, to get out of this attic of despair. So um, every chapter is dedicated to a feeling that goes with dep depression. Um, so um, the, first, um, the first chapter is loneliness, because uh, that's often how depression um, you know, starts, and then despair. Um, someone's got their head in their hands. What I did was I asked, I looked around for an artist that could um, bring the depression story to life because it's a heavy subject. And I kind of, um, and, sh and she um, created these um, beautiful illustrations because she's from, she's Polish. I think that fairy stories and fantasy tales are kind of very common over there. That's where the roots have often come from. So she managed to capture depression in each of these pictures. So sometimes when I'm feeling really down. I just literally look at those pictures and just let them sort of heal me in some way. So each of the chaps got a beautiful thought to go with it. But this person goes on this um, journey from the attic where she's locked up and she goes and finds what she's looking for. Having worked with these young people with these stories that weren't quite right in the past and helped them to be leaders, I worked with Comrade Relief and Children in Need for doing that. Basically, I wanted people to know that they could write a different story, didn't have to settle for second best. They could actually have a life of colour and confidence. And she goes out under protection of a cloak. It's a dark cloak at first, but then the cloak becomes light and beautiful. 
and that represents confidence. I'm a storyteller, there's a lot of sort of depth to the story, even though it's very concise. And, and she meets a mentor, she meets allies, and um, she she finds what she's looking for. And then the hero kind of gives advice about what to do. Some of those things we've been talking about, you know, sort of go out into nature, look after yourself, manage to get enough sleep. So it's kind of, I thought it would, someone's really in the darkest place, that book could really help them to get back on their feet again, to go on that journey. Mm. And what I think is is good also about it is the simplicity, because... Um, I don't know about you, but for me, myself, um, when I've been quite depressed, um, I can find it quite hard to read the sort of books that I would when I'm sort of on an even keel, you know, anything too sort of complicated or in-depth or um, what am I getting at? I, I basically couldn't read an Ian McEwan is what I'm saying, that sort of type of prose. Um, but because it's, a, like you say, a, a concise book and you have, you know, um, a portion of text and then you also have the beautiful illustration with it, um, I think that it is the sort of thing that you could sort of take in um, fairly easily, which is important. Yeah, it's true. And I think in time, I'd like to help um, people do a workshop to kind of show how that journey can materialise, because the hardest thing is actually making it happen. The book gives a lot of encouragement and shows how to guide people how to write their story, but to actually sit down and write it, rewrite it in a beautiful way doing all the things you want to in life that you're meant to be here to do and that's why we're on this earth that's why I really like that book to encourage the discussions I just want it to be a platform to talk about mental health um in a gentle way because if, you know these big books I don't not everybody wants to read those as you say mm. Mm. um how would you feel about reading a portion from the book for us is that something you're happy to do do you have it with you <laughs> Yeah, I've got it here, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll read the beginning where she starts. Um, loneliness. Her name is Hope. She lives in an attic room and she is lonely. She's been given a black cloak to wear made of harsh, worsted material. It drags at her ankles like a heavy leaden weight. It's meant to protect her from the cold, sharp needles of winter with its bitter chill and driving rain and snow, but it serves no purpose except to drag her down. She longs for a new cloak lined with silk, as light as gossamer, soft and warm in winter, and cool as a balmy breeze in summer. She knows this cloak would help her on her journey. Today she looks out of the window of her, of her upstairs room. She sees a laughing crowd in party dress. She dreams of joining them, but knows she would never fit in. She feels loneliness seep into her bones and fill her warm, loving heart with dark despair. They're all fairly short, but they do get a little bit longer as the, as the story unfolds. Mm. Thank you, Catherine. Um, what are your hopes um, in terms of your work going forwards? Are you planning another book or are you, um, what are your sort of plans for the rest of the year and, and next year now? I would like to, I would like to write a workbook to, to, to get that, to enable people to write, rewrite that story. I would hope, I would really like to run workshops to kind of help people to write their story in a um, gentle way and um, who are in a bad place. So that's what I'm exploring for, for that. I want to really get on more podcasts like this and do talks and use all of my experience as a storyteller and mental health and depression and working with people with mental health as well and my book. Um, I have got a, um, a business uh, where I help businesses to um, pull out the personality from their story um, so they 
point it at the right audience and they weave their story like a golden thread through all of their marketing content. I've been working with technical people because their stories are quite can be quite boring um, but I, I would like to carry carry that on and maybe do more consultancy to you know guide people how to write how to write their story because at the end of the day um, we all need to be writing it ourselves so that's what I try and get people to do so yeah that's my plans um, but I have got my book into my, my into first bookshop in Winchester near where I live they're going to stock it which has P&G books so I'm so excited about that sort of book that you need to pick up and feel and look at so online, it can lose some of that. Um, so I'm really excited about that. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we finish up? I suppose that the book is full of symbolism, but it's about this putting on this cloak of confidence. You know, you kind of, um, oh, there's a quote I'd love, to, love, to, love to, 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 to read, actually. Brad Meltzer is a novelist and comic book author. We're all ordinary. We're all boring. We are all spectacular. We're all shy. We're all bold. We're all heroes. We're all helpless. It just depends on the day. I think that says it all, you know, and to be stuck in that part is horrible. And I don't, I wouldn't wish that on anyone. I just want people to have a good life and a good story. So, uh, yeah, I hope my book encourages people to think of their life that way, because we all deserve that. Absolutely. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you. Really appreciate, really appreciate this chat. So this is goodbye from Mentally If you've been affected by any of the issues we've discussed today, you can give the Samaritans and Ring on 116123. If you like Mentally Yours, you can also find us on Twitter. We're at MentallyYRS. We also have a lovely Facebook group, which is just called Mentally Yours. And if you really liked us, you could do us a massive favour and give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It's much appreciated. Uh, Helps us, you know, continue doing what we're doing. So please do rate and review and check back in next week for more Mentally Yours. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.